You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV for 16 and Pregnant. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's 16 and Pregnant After Show. Flashback to the 90s. We need a chorus in there. (laughs) (laughs) Babies, babies, babies. That's what we're talking about today on AfterBuzz TV for the 16 and Pregnant After Show. I am Tiffany, and I'm joined by the lovely... Bobby DeMiro, what's going on, guys? I am happy to be here for 16 and Pregnant, the season finale. Season finale. We have two episodes to recap. Lots to talk about here, episode 11 and episode 12. But we will get to that after this. Yeah, hey, listen, guys. Before we get started and talk about teenagers and pregnancy and and all the bigger issues around that, which I cannot wait for. Thank you for letting (laughs) me fill in this week, by the way. Um, let's talk about Maria's new book. As you guys know, Maria Menunos is the founder of AfterBuzz TV. And as you also probably know, it's summertime. And not everybody is as lucky to have a sexy body like I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've got a ways to go. But if you have a ways to go like I do, her new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, How I Lost 40 Pounds and Kept It Off and How You Can Too is in stores right now. It came out on June 3rd. And I believe, Tiffany, it is number three on the New York it Times is. bestseller list. So it's doing very well. This is what it looks like if you're watching on uh, YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, you can go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, pick up a copy. And I don't know about you, but I am going to the pool party that AfterBuzz is having in a couple weeks. So... We got to get ready. I know. So much pressure. (laughs) Maria looks amazing, and I just want to live up to that. But luckily, the book has some great tips and pictures and recipes, and so it's been my Bible for the past couple of days. And And it's legit information. This isn't like a celebrity book where they write like 30 pages. This is hundreds of pages of stuff. There's like hundreds of celebrities in here. You can throw a dart at a celebrity (laughs) on a board, and chances are he or she is probably in here, and there's exercises and recipes. And I've talked about this book a lot in the last couple weeks because it's been out, and it's kind of blowing up but there's a lot of good information so if that's your thing go pick up a copy go pick up a copy so let's jump right in shall we let's do it episode 11 featured courtney who's a 17 year old high school senior in woodland park colorado her parents are divorced and she lives with her dad and the two major issues of this episode was one courtney had a cleft lip she was born with a lip had seven reconstructive surgeries just to get a normal palette and she's worried about passing that along to the baby the second problem with courtney is that she had premarital sex and abandoned her christian morals and now she's desperate to get him back but her boyfriend scott is not exactly on the same page you know what's crazy about that i don't I'm not going to make any value judgments. If you are a Christian or any other religion and you want to not have premarital sex, that's great. Like, you should not do that. If that's your thing and you're into it, that's perfect. That's not my personal belief. But if that's your thing, go for it. I will say, though, in watching her story about abandoning the Christian morals and then struggling to kind of get them back or whatever, in a weird way, the baby's a separate issue at that age. But in a weird way, the sex itself 
maybe some kind of a blessing in disguise in a way because you need to go through some of these things early in your life and make these mistakes and make these have these desires that go fulfilled and you regret that they go fulfilled and go through some of these regrets to later on in life appreciate what you have with a husband or a wife, with a significant other. And and I worry that if you just are so black and white in how you look at something and you're quote-unquote perfect with it, you may never actually know what you have when you get it good. But if you make a mistake like this, you you can appreciate what you get good later on in life. Now, being pregnant at this age is a totally different game than just sex itself. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think she was looking at it in that positive way, too, is that yeah. it was sort of a thing that brought her closer to God in her case. She says she prays more, she reads the Bible more, because she feels like she messed up. Uh, the problem is that her boyfriend, Scott, just... He, he's not religious. There's not a time that he talks about God in any sort of way other than sort of mocking how serious she is about, you know, how right she has to be with God. And you can kind of tell that in he loves her. He has strong feelings for does, her. Does he love her, though, if he mocks her religion? Well, I mean, they're teenagers, too. Does anybody love anybody so, at 19? <laughs> what is real love at 19? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I like Scott, and I'm usually on the fence about the baby daddy because they usually don't have a clue yeah. at this point. And the girls are so much more... Sim- Everyone knows that girls are smarter than guys. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Hang on. I will walk off this set right now and leave you no, all alone. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> but it's okay, especially teenage girls. Sure. Um, but Scott is unlike most baby daddies at this age because he actually works a full-time job. He has He's an electrician's apprentice, so he makes good money. He has a two-bedroom apartment, which is already putting him much further than people that we've seen this whole season. Oh, think about, think about go back seasons and seasons. Think about all the deadbeat dads who don't have jobs and don't know what they're doing. But, of course, they've got a truck right. or they've got a car or whatever it <laughs> is. Speeding so, at least, issues. yeah, at least he's getting a paycheck and theoretically building credit. Right. And he wants to do right by her he but he wants her to move in and so he's kind of pressuring her throughout the episode to make that move in so that he doesn't have to be a weekend dad in his words he wants to be there full time for the family well her reservations are that if they move in he will be tempted to have sex and that's the last thing that she wants so how do you navigate this it's so hard to put once you open up pandora's box it's hard to get it closed again with sex or anything else and when you do something even if it's a mistake in her eyes, which she regrets it and wants to make amends for that in her way. But when you do it, it's hard to stay with that person and then say, oh, we can't do that anymore. Exactly. You know? But at the same time with Scott, if he truly does love her, if he truly does care about her, hopefully he would respect her enough to say, you know what? Honestly, this is going to be really tough, but I understand where you're coming from or I want to make an honest woman out of you. Right. Hey, crazy idea. You know, if that's your thing, why not? <laughs> the one thing that gives me about Scott Tiffany is the the making fun of religion and not it, not respecting the religion. I, I did not grow up with a very religious background, so it's foreign to me. I'm not somebody who's in church every Sunday, but I am dating somebody, I guess we'll say it out there, who is very religious and grew up with a very religious background. And her and I have always been of the thought that we grew up in different backgrounds. We don't know about each other's background, but A, let's learn about it, and B, above all, let's respect it. We may not see eye to eye, but we have to respect it in each other. And even though we're different and that's cool, there needs to be a respect there for what each other believes. If Scott can't develop that respect with Courtney's religion, and if he's going to make snide comments or casual remarks or whatever, 
it's not going to work. There are things like religion, politics, et cetera, et cetera, that are just deal breakers. And you can be different. Right. But you have to respect it. Especially when it comes to something that she feels so strongly about. You don't want her to compromise on that again because she's going to end up resenting herself and their whole situation. Yeah. Well, it seems like Scott wants to do right. He wants to support her and wants to support her religion. But at the same time, in the back of my mind while watching this, I, I feel Scott's horny energy like i know <laughs> that there's no way that he's gonna have that girl move in with him and he's not gonna try to touch her did you just say and i quote <laughs> i feel scott's horny energy it was just radiating throughout the whole episode <laughs> it was like horny teenage boy and like i saw that she felt that obviously because she had such intense reservations about moving forward but he's like yeah we can do it it'll be fine i you know i'll support you because i love you and I want to do right for the kid. How long had they been dating again? Before they had this? been dating, uh, I think. Actually, I'm not sure. Because it wasn't obviously, when you start talking about love and stuff like that, it was a, a significant relationship of long term, as long term as you can be when you're when 17. You're a but it wasn't like a month of dating or whatever. I want to think it was that they were that. friends for like a year yeah. or so and then they got pregnant. But I don't think they mentioned it, honestly. Huh. That would, they that would, usually do. That but. would tell me a lot. I know time isn't everything, and sometimes when you know, you know early on or whatever, but that would be interesting to know. I think it's safe to assume not that long, considering that she's 17. Yeah, I, I agree. So not long enough to know what they actually want. They're not, they're not <laughs> coming up on their five-year anniversary. Exactly. Um, so the family kind of recognizes Scott's position in all of this because they know that once you've had a taste of the Kool-Aid, like there is no, <laughs> there is no. <laughs> Bobby almost spit out his Kool Aid. What do you want to? What do you have to do that when I'm drinking a taste of the Kool Aid? Don't spit out the Kool Aid. <laughs> uh, so he, he, they know that he's had a taste of the Kool Aid, and it's hard not to backtrack once you've done that. Especially like I can only, I, I'm a female, so I'll never understand how guys think. And you guys are like sexual camels, exactly. Like you can, you can go for months, and it's no big and thing. And it's no, it's nothing. And then you can have a month where it's like wild with one person i'm not insinuating anything weird but it's also like no big thing how do you guys do, i don't know which is the same reason why i don't understand why men basically need this to survive like this is like you need water air and sex we need water air and kool-aid is what we need <laughs> <And> kool-aid <laughs> hey, if you're watching the show hashtag kool-aid on twitter we'll we'll come up with it <laughs> hashtag babies and kool-aid <laughs> um I don't understand the need for it. And so I don't understand the pressure that he kind of... It's like a passive-aggressive thing that's always underlying their conversations and their arguments. And the mom even mentions, like, Scott's mom kind of empathizes with her son. And she says, you know, I know that you have needs. So you might want to be careful about moving in together. Because, you know, obviously your, your needs won't be met. And yeah. you have to be prepared for that. No, and, and I like what Scott's mom says because not to not to defend men against women or whatever, but there is – you're right about women, that women can go with it or without it. And this isn't true of all women, of course. But women can go without it and they can mentally convince themselves one way or another and they're much better off than men. But men do have physical needs and that does not mean it's a free-for-all. <laughs> it is not a free-for-all. But that does mean for somebody like Scott, he needs to recognize that he needs to be with someone who meets his emotional needs, who meets his spiritual needs or maybe lack thereof, and who meets his physical needs. And if the Kool-Aid isn't there, it's not so um, it's not so stupid. It's not so irrelevant. It's not so insignificant. It's a big deal. You've got to be emotionally compatible with somebody and you have to be sexually compatible. So I see these two and it's like 
I respect what she wants to do, and I like it, especially considering what's going on with the baby, and she made a mistake, or we shouldn't call it a mistake. She she slipped up a little bit, and her life changed. But I also really look at him, and I'm like, dude, I respect that you love her, but you can't move in with a girl like this. You can't do this stuff if you don't aren't completely compatible, because you will recognize in three months that this is... The baby's not the biggest mistake of your life. Moving in would be the biggest mistake of your life. Exactly. Spoken like a man with true wisdom. <laughs> Well, I'm not 19 anymore. I just turned 20. So that's that's the difference. Well, I wish that Scott realized this before. Luckily, they weren't jumping to get married. Yeah. For the sake of having sex. So that wasn't a big deal, even though they said, we'll wait a year, you know, after being moved in together. So eventually, uh, Courtney caves in and moves in with Scott before the baby is due. But she agrees only to move in if they can stay in separate rooms. which is like okay so now you're kind of going to be like roommates basically yeah pretty much in a weird way i just whatever it is and not to judge her but it just becomes somewhat of a dysfunctional relationship and then when that baby comes due it only gets more complicated because you have a third human living there and then when his job hours increase because he's an apprentice now so what happens when he becomes an actual electrician or what happens when he goes out on the job in a new way how does that play into it what happens when she after she's done with the baby does she go to college does she go work herself i mean there's just so many factors and this is true of every single episode of 16 and pregnant but there's so many factors that get complicated and it's like once you start with these uh with these rules you know i'll move in but we're going to sleep in separate bedrooms we have to wait a year we can't do anything I understand the intention, but reality is different from, you know, practice is different from thought. Practice is different from theory, and theory will never work in reality. And it's, how does it work for these two? I wish that I could have warned them, because moving in with someone is a big deal. And it's definitely really hard, especially, like you said, when you're setting all these rules and boundaries and obstacles for yourself. So then, a couple weeks later, here comes baby, into the picture and into the new home, that as you said, is going to be a little bit dysfunctional. And it was. So what we saw was a lot of Courtney dealing with the baby all of the time. She didn't have a job. Scott was still working and only got to see the family at night. Uh, he's tired when he gets off. He works all day slinging wires and, and comes home to a crying baby and a nagging wife at this point because she feels like he's not helping out with the kid. And obviously he has a little bit of a chip over on his shoulder because he hasn't gotten laid yet. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not getting anything in return for helping exactly. out. Exactly. There's no incentive there. I, I know what you mean. So like they have conversations and it's sometimes mostly her nagging him about not helping out with the baby enough and he's like, "Well, I put a roof over your head. I give you food, I give you a car. Everything that we have is because of me and you say that I don't do enough." Uh, 16 and pregnant for as many seasons as they've been going, this storyline is so repetitive. And it's not that it's not interesting because we're sitting here like on the edge of our seats talking about Kool-Aid. Like we like this. <laughs> but but we've seen this storyline so many times about, you know, a roof over your head and food versus taking care of the baby, work balance. And that's life. That's the way it is. And that's the way a lot of these experiences are. But I'm interested to see just totally different stories from this. And and not to get into predictions for the show because I think it's tough to predict a yeah, show like this. there are none. But I would be interested to see down the road how they kind of change the path and look for different stories in this. But you're right. And, and the thing I think of when you mention putting the roof over the head, you know, putting food in the kitchen, putting food in the refrigerator or whatever. To me, I watch this and it's obvious what you're going to say when you're over 19. Welcome to life. Right. How's the real world working out for you? This is the way it is. Exactly. And I think that was kind of his approach too. 
I'm providing for this family. Now you do your job and take care of the baby. I don't feel she didn't necessarily agree to that because she obviously wanted more. But I think Scott was kind of taking the approach. Well, this is kind of how it's going to be. Yeah. So deal with it. And because he's a breadwinner, it kind of puts her in that position to just accept it, I think. Um, so the major blow up argument happened and kind of started the same way with her complaining about him not doing enough. Well, it turns out that he hadn't touched the baby and not one time in a whole week. Like, didn't hold the baby, didn't cradle the baby, changed maybe four diapers that whole week and left her to do all of the work. And so that was the the breaking point where they were kind of going back and forth. And then this, the conversation turned to sex because that's the issue. That's why he's acting out because he's not getting what he wants out of her. The the OK, let me ask you this question then, because I think this all relates to everything in this episode and kind of the power structure of these two people. In a good relationship, however you divide up the responsibility, in a healthy relationship, you divide it up 50-50. So, you know, if, if we're in a relationship, which we're not for the record, but if we are, if you're the breadwinner and I stay at home or vice versa, we each do 50% of, not necessarily just the work, but like 50% of the emotional lifting, the psychological lifting, all that stuff. Do you think Scott sees this as a 50-50 relationship? You know, that's tough. Because he's never once puts pressure on her to bring in money, to work, to do anything other than raise the baby. So I almost feel like it's kind of 50-50 in that way. I would totally disagree. Really? I would say he sees it as 60-40 or 70-30 in his favor. He sees it like, I'm doing 70% of the work. I'm bringing everything home. I'm tired at night. Your job is to take care of the baby, and you're still nagging me about the baby? Oh, and we're not having sex? I'm doing 70% of the work and getting 30% of the reward. Exactly. Well, I think even this wouldn't be an issue if she would just have sex with the boy. Ooh! (laughs) Not that I'm encouraging her to go against her morals, but I feel like he wouldn't have an issue doing—he would change a million diapers a day. You know how boys are. Like how, how are boys? No, tell us. They're motivated by the nookie, and <laughs> <laughs> nookie goes a long way. So I feel like um, if they were getting it in, this wouldn't be an issue. You call it Kool Aid nookie and getting it in, and we're only eighteen minutes into the show. So let's see in the next how twenty many, minutes. Let's see what else you can call it. Let's see how many adjectives we can come up with. <laughs> Just gonna write them down. Um, so um, Scott storms out after that argument and walks off, and and. Uh, Courtney, her whole position is that sex should not be this much of an issue in our relationship. It shouldn't make or break a relationship. It shouldn't be this much of a conversation. She's totally wrong. She's totally wrong. I respect that she does not want to have sex. And I understand that they are not compatible in that regard. And I will not call her out and say she should should get it in with him or whatever. But she's wrong when she says it is not a big deal. It is just like any other component, whether it is psychological or spiritual or material or whatever. Every component of a relationship matters. And sex is huge. And not just for a man's fulfillment, but a woman's too. Let's I'm be on honest. her side. Like, I completely don't understand why he's so pissed off. Like, Ooh. she's barely, you know, stitched up properly. And he's <laughs> like, this is so I didn't, inappropriate. I didn't need that image. Femis- well, thank you. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll turn me. No, maybe but- that'll turn the guys down a notch because I feel like she is still recovering and he still has pressure on her to get laid. Like he, it, the horny energy, I mean, it's kind of thick and it's such an issue. And we saw this coming because it was always there. Yeah. And now you're going to move her in and expect that it's going to go away. 
way. So I don't know what he was thinking when he did that. Um, but now at this point, I, I can tell you what he was thinking <laughs> when he moved her in. What was I just he know it's 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 one half noble and it's one half a little sleazy. It's noble to move her in to want to be with the baby when he says stuff like that and wants to move her in because he financially can and physically can. I take him at his word and I think he wants to be around the child and I know he's tired after work and there's that whole issue which is separate. But I think he wants to be in the kid's life and I take him at face value with that. That's noble. He knows that he can get her in when he's noble and when he's a good guy and when he's dependable and, yeah, Scott. But then he knows that when she's there, the increased likelihood of having a weak moment is through the roof, and that's the sleazy side. So he's like, I can move her in. It'll be good. We'll do the right things. But, oh, by the way, when she has that weak moment, guess who's here? You know, and the problem is a weak moment never comes. (laughs) Well, she's she, well. She even mentions that it's it's hard for her, but I don't see the struggle the same way that I do with him. So, anyways, after that fight, she goes back to her dad's house to stay for a couple of days just to give them space apart from one another. And uh, Scott comes to visit. Let me ask you something real fast. I don't mean to interrupt you. No worries. She lives with her father. Her parents are divorced. As a woman, because I don't know this, and I'm curious, and maybe you don't either. Maybe it's a unique case on her. Would it have been different? Would Courtney's upbringing have been different, knowing we don't know everything about her, but just generally speaking, would her upbringing and her situation with Scott been different if her mom had been in the picture more? I don't know. I ha- Because it seems like she has a pretty solid foundation, even though it's a single parent home. Yeah. And I've seen some episodes where, you know, mom's strung out on drugs and they're homeless and everything else. And this kind of seems pretty solid to me. So I think that she just let... Scott, horny boy, get the best of her. Like, I think Scott came into the picture and religion went downhill. Yeah. Which is what happens when boys are around. (laughs) Sounds like you have a personal story you've just been dancing around all night. (laughs) No. No, I don't. I'm probably Scott in this scenario. Um, but anyways, um, <laughs> it is a little hot in here. Uh, so at her dad's house, Scott comes over and uh, they have a conversation about whether or not things would be different if Dayton was in the picture. Because she stands by being abstinent and she says that even if she, you know, if Dayton never came, she would still want to go back to her Christian roots. And so she asked Scott if that would be a deal breaker for him. If we were in a relationship with no baby and I wanted to abstain, would you stick around? And so Scott <laughs> says, uh, I don't know about that. Like, Well, good that he's honest. Oh, my God. That's- no, it's good that he's honest. I would rather him be honest than something awful happen down the road. It's better to be honest about it than have resentment built up for years. And it's better, and I don't have any kids, so I'm no expert. I was not a teenage, you know, father, thankfully. But it's. I feel like it's better to say this now and, and split ways, potentially, and still care for the baby financially and, and be a weekend dad or whatever that entails. Um but do that now when the child's young and do it as maturely as you can, as opposed to 10 years from now or whatever, letting all that resentment build up, have that child deal with both of you as parents and then get ripped apart in a bad situation. And the two of you, after five or 10 years of resentment, something terrible happened. So I'd rather it happen now, as bad as that sounds. No, I guess you're right. I wasn't thinking about it that way, but I think his honesty right now is the best thing. Yeah. But she was obviously crushed by his response, and she kind of called it a, a depressing reality because I think she had has this thing in her mind of them living happily ever after and he's 
he kind of seems like he's over it at this point, which is funny how things change. Like, the baby hadn't even been there that long, and he's just kind of fed up with trying to hold out. I'll tell you, here's a little tip for you with the gentleman. I'm not sure you need very many tips, apparently, but you say that we, we were joking about how women are like sexual camels, and they can turn it on and off, and if they wait for a few months, they don't care, and it's just like, boom. Men, I believe a lot of men are emotional camels in the same regard, that we can do what Scott did. And when we're done, we're done. And we're just going to turn it off. And and women would struggle with a breakup like that, like Courtney did. But Scott's like, no, my mind's made up. It is what it is. That's interesting. For better or worse, I know that that's something I've done in the past, not in any, you know, scandalous, horrible way, but just something where I'm kind of, you know, something ends. I'm like, okay, it's over. And that's just the way it is. Maybe I have a guy, Jane. I have the guy gene because I'm able to turn it off, too. Like, I'm an emotional camel and a sex camel if I feel like it. That's right. We're learning a lot about her today, guys. Her phone number. No, I'm just kidding. 555. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Savannah, who is 17 years old. This is episode 12 in the season finale. Lives in Jefferson City, Missouri with her mom and little brother. Now, in this episode, we deal with a baby daddy who is an emotional camel. His name is Stone. Very stoic very he's a jokester he kind of doesn't take anything seriously and he doesn't like to be told what to do if if, if your name is stone you have to you be have to be camp. emotionally yeah you just have to go stoic. through the emotional drought and he was definitely that way her other big issue in this episode was her mother who struggled severely with alcoholism she was drunk in a couple of the scenes that we saw her in, and towards the end they had a major blow up over a drunken episode that she had uh so we'll start with stone because um it seems that they've broken up they started out dating knew each other for three years before they started dating and then uh stone they got pretty close but stone would be really hard on her mother for being an alcoholic so always had kind of snide remarks to make about her mom was never really supportive of the fight that she was going through what is with okay both these guys in this episode a serious issue whether it's religion or a family member's addiction being not supportive i know that part of it is immaturity and teenagers and we all were immature and we're kids and if you say you're not you're totally lying but fellas it's time to support the people around you not even relationship interests but friends family members, people at school or work or whatever, people who can't do anything for you, it's time to just be a supportive person. And I see a lot of things, and especially with Stone and Scott in this show, it's the idea of lacking empathy. You know, it's one thing to see what someone's going through. It's a totally different thing to make a sarcastic joke about it, which is stupid. Right. And it's another thing to lack the empathy of actually feeling what they're going through and trying to put yourself in their shoes. And I know they're young and that will hopefully grow. But this is a trend. Younger guys, if you're watching this, don't do this. And younger women, if you're watching this, don't put up with this crap. Exactly. Do, like, like This is a deal breaker, period. You hit the nail on the head there because they were they lacked empathy 100%. And they come from this generation of knowing everything and, you know, being above everything. And that was kind of the attitude that they both gave off during. They're too cool. Yeah, too cool. Too cool to have issues to really care about. And uh, so anyways, uh, Stone, the major issue that they had, and they were broken up during this episode. We didn't know exactly why they were broken up. But uh, other than, you know, Stone's kind of flippant attitude but he wanted to name the baby after his car what's wrong with that i'm just kidding i'm totally kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> he drove a Talon, uh, and Savannah wasn't okay. having it. And that's the thing, too. It's not even like it's an amazing car. Like, if the baby... You know, I could see Kim and Kanye West. I could see Kim Kardashian and Kanye West naming their next baby, like, Maserati. You know? Like, they're naming <laughs> after a real car. But you want to name your baby Talon? Talon. Like, just just name your baby Mercury Sable. <laughs> Like Geo Metro Buick, yeah. Like, come here, baby Buick. <laughs> come here, Oldsmobile. Like what? <laughs> but he's dead set on naming the baby Talon, and he doesn't understand what the big deal is. So Savannah's like, "No, I don't want my firstborn baby to be named after a car." And this kind of sets a rift in the family as well. Like, in in this is like a serious. I don't. I personally don't understand why this is a serious issue. Even though I do know that names have weight and kind of influence. This is a serious issue because they're in Jefferson City, Missouri, exactly. and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to get I'm going to get mean tweets from Jefferson City people like, "Screw you, man! Talon rocks." If you're watching in Jefferson City. <laughs> That's Bobby's idea, not mine. <laughs> I value your opinions. I'm, not, I'm gonna be getting no Kool Aid in Jefferson City, Missouri. <laughs> getting no Kool Aid. <laughs> um, so she uh, is taking her GED classes, but she really misses being in school. And when she found out she was pregnant, she um, had a feeling that people feel when they die. She said that she saw her whole life flash before her eyes, and she felt like everything that she had dreamed of was dead now. Uh, she's she's it's not and she'll learn that as she goes on that there's still plenty of things you can do but she's right in a way that obviously your life changes when this happens but it's an interesting and kind of a deep idea for her to recognize this and she's a little smarter than we probably gave her credit for in the in the episode in the situation to know that her life is going to change her friends are not going to be there in the same way she's not going to be able to do the same thing she is and and physically she is going to be removed from a lot of those situations you know, there are a lot of social situations she won't be able to go to, and she's going to lose friends, not maliciously, but she's going to run out of touch with people. So that's a serious issue, and I'm actually kind of impressed with her when she noticed that. And I don't think it was over dramatic or overdrawn. I, I understand like the metaphor of dying and flat. That's a little much, but I, she's right. I don't think it's over dramatic. I think there's she's right about a lot of those things, and in time she will find hey i can still go to college down the road i can still get a job i'll still have friends this will work itself out but at the time you're doing it it's a huge issue it definitely seemed like a grim metaphor yeah especially coming from someone so young to be comparing their life to to someone dying um so that was kind of sad to see but it was also good in that i feel like she has managed her expectations appropriately because i feel like sometimes these girls think that you know it's going to be easy and they can just do this and do this and change the diapers while studying for the master's exam and it it, you can but it's tough and it's and it's a mistake i mean i guess we should do a 16 and pregnant follow-up in five years but that's a mistake she will probably never make again and she will not hopefully have another kid until she is perfectly ready for it and she will understand, and a lot of girls watching this, we talk about this all the time, how, how teenage pregnancy is down in part because of this show. A lot of girls watch this and will see a girl like this and say, hmm, you know what? I don't want to feel like that. Better make some changes. I think it's a good thing. Right. And um, another reason why I think that she was also more mature than what we're used to seeing is because of her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mother struggles with alcoholism and has since she was a baby. And so her mother, she was basically raised by an alcoholic. And this has hurt her so much to where she is afraid to 
have a baby in that environment. And she doesn't want to let her mom keep the baby. Like her mo- mother even asked her, would you feel comfortable with me keeping the baby? And she says no, because you really need to work on being sober. And uh, this seems to be a major issue in their life and in, in their relationship. It's almost like the mother has or the daughter has assumed the mother's role. No, not only with the mother, but also with the brother. Her and her brother have, in a way, probably, and I know we didn't see the brother as much, but her and her brother, in a way, have probably been parents for each other and had to support each other because mom wasn't around. Her brother's little. Yeah, and she's been and she's been a mom already in exactly. a lot of ways. So. She's had to take care of him, and uh, it's kind of sad to see, because. but the mother... Her position on this is that, you know, this is where I'm at in my life, and I don't have to explain myself to my 17-year-old. And, you know, Mom, I I think she's right. Unfortunately, like, this is where she's at. Mom wants to go have a couple drinks. I support Mom on that because Mother has... Really? I do. And the my only apprehensions are that she has a younger brother, and mom has to take care of this four-year-old. It looks like he's yeah. about four. So I do worry for her younger brother. But at the same time, I don't like seeing a kid tell a parent what to do, even if the parent is not doing I, what I'm they glad you be said doing. that because I disagree with you so much. I hate seeing kids <laughs> parent. Parents. I, I understand that. And you don't want to see kids being bossy or whatever it is. But in this situation, in this case, Savannah is the adult and the mom is a child. She has an addiction problem, which is, is, you know, different from being just immature or whatever. But the mom, in a lot of ways, is acting like a kid and won't face reality. And grim news, her mom is going to die an alcoholic. If she's been doing it that long, if she's been doing it this way and she's defiant, she's going to literally kill herself drinking. And I don't think that's a surprise. But she is being the child. She's being the petulant one. The mother this is. The mother's being the stubborn one. And I love to see whenever Savannah would stand up to her or or talk back to her, I guess you would say, or just kind of plan around knowing that she wasn't going to be there because the mom is not going to be there. She's never going to be there. And Savannah has had to mature very quickly. And God bless her. She has because she knows I, I can't count on mom. Like a lot of these girls can. I can't count on mom. Not going to happen. Yeah, and you're right. I I think it's a harsh reality that she realized and she knows and Stone also knows it and he reminds her of that too. But I think it's hard to hear coming from someone else that's not related to her. But he kind of takes a very hardened approach to the situation. Like your mom needs to get it together. She's not going to be around our kid. Well, and who knows? Maybe Stone has seen addiction too. I mean, we've all seen addiction on some level, I'm sure. Right. Well, he doesn't view it as an issue. Yeah. To him, it's just something that she needs to get control of. No, I mean, but I mean, maybe he's maybe he has an alcoholic, a friend or a family member or something. And so he sees it from his lens. But maybe he has experience with it too. And that's why he is the way he is. Who knows? Right. You know. Well, Stone, uh, Stone's mother steps in to throw a baby shower, luckily, because I don't think that her mother could be tasked with doing that. And uh, in the at the baby shower, we kind of see Stone and Savannah have a disagreement because while they're opening up gifts, you know, it's a happy moment. Everything's good, going smoothly. Someone asks what she's going to name the baby. And here comes the argument that keeps repeating itself. And Grandma from the audience says in her Missouri accent, it ain't going to be Talon. <laughs> it ain't right. You can't you, name a baby after a car. You like my talons? <laughs> like bird talons? Well, ta- uh, 
Stone's talons should have come out because he like immediately stands up and storms off in the middle of this baby shower. And it was embarrassing for her because and grandma's like, it ain't right. You can't name a baby after a car. And, and Stone walks away. He's like, I'm not staying here. I'm over it. And this it's is, like a scene. Do you, do you honestly believe Stone wanted to name the baby Talon or the producers might have suggested it a little bit? I want to think that Stone likes to push buttons. And if you tell him that he can't do something, he's going to want to do it more. But at the same time, his car was a Talon and he loved that name. And the fact that Grandma wasn't having it pissed him off. Although for the record, Talon actually is kind of a cool name. It's a cute name. The, the, the meaning behind it is totally unacceptable. You would not name it after the car of the Talon. But if you came across that name originally or it was some weird family name, I'd be down. I'd be down. I yeah. have a couple friends named Fallon. Well, let's have a kid and name it Talon. <laughs> Maybe not. To be continued. <laughs> Predictions. <laughs> um, so uh, after after Stone's blow up, I think that kind of gave Savannah the clarity that she needed on their relationship because it was a little bit immature for him to storm off over just a comment, a baby name comment. But I think Stone's position was that too many people have too much to say in our relationship. And this needs to be something that we discuss, not your grandmother. No, uh, he. that's another thing that he's absolutely right about. And it's something we've all dealt with. Lord knows. Whether you're young or old, I know you've dealt with something like this where somebody else gets in there. And girls are different. You bash on guys all day. I'm going to bash on girls right now. Because, (laughs) gentlemen, when I hang out with my boys, you know what we do? We don't talk about girls. They'll be like, how's your girl? Oh, she's good. And then we talk about sports. We talk about maybe cars. We talk about, you know, whatever. Music. Whatever it is. Whatever. When girls get together... Y'all talk about boys. We talk about y'all's butts. Exactly. <laughs> and then you guys get in each other's head about it. Girl. And so, so listen, my girl goes out with other girls and then she comes home and she's like, so on Thursday night, were you, were you cheating on me? Were you with another girl? I'm like, no, I was working or whatever it is. Girl. But you just, you just need to get that little, that little, <laughs> that little sliver in yeah. there. And then that seed of doubt gets planted and you girls just do this to each other. And and so I know it's different with the grandma than, than you know, Savannah's friends, but it's the same idea. So It's the same idea. And speaking of hanging out with the guys, that's what we got to see this episode. And we never get to, like, MTV never gives us insight into what the boys do all day and, and the boys' world. So this time we got to hang out with Stone and his friend in some random parking lot, probably at a Walmart, and they were picking up chicks. Uh, and it was kind of cool to see Scott or Stone. I'm confusing the two stoic boys, but it's, <laughs> it was good to see Stone in his element with his friend, not being nagged, just chilling. And uh, they're picking up girls. Um and uh, it, they ended up getting a phone number, and the girls, like, wrote on the car with, like, chalk, just flirting, being kids. And uh, guess what happens next? The pictures surface on Instagram mm-hmm. while the girls are hanging out, and this pisses off Savannah. Now, I want to know what you think about this. If you're not with the girl that you've impregnated, do you think it's disrespectful to go out and pick up chicks while she's pregnant? Um, I'm going to answer this in a different way. You've got one girl who's your Facebook girl. You got another girl who's your Twitter girl. You got another girl who's maybe your Instagram girl. And then maybe you got a Snapchat girl, because Lord knows we all Snapchat. <laughs> and and you gotta know which uh social network to post what on. Oh my goodness. So well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you have this problem? Because I don't have uh, this problem. I, I, I'm not gonna comment on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna um I'll have my public relations people make a statement about that <laughs> You're later. You're gonna plead the fifth. <laughs> No, but I, I mean, you're right. This is totally unacceptable. And I think 
Yes, is Stone in the right to talk to girls? Did they break up? Absolutely. So are they apart or whatever? Yes. But, and again, it's immaturity because these are teenagers. You need to understand you do still have a responsibility to the baby and, by extension, the woman. He still has a responsibility to Savannah so he can talk to other girls, but there's a certain decorum you probably need to have about how you do it. He's, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, so he's not going to learn that decorum yet. So what but. is that? What's that rule? Do you just stay off of social media as a general rule? Yeah, or you just communicate. I think you have to really communicate. And if I if I had a baby mama, which I do not, ladies, but if I did, I would and, and we broke up and all this happened just like what happened to Stone, I would probably at one point say, "You know what? If we're apart, I'm probably going to see other people. It may come up on Instagram. I need you to know that you're still a priority in my life in the sense of the child. I still care about you as the child's mother." As, as a partner still in some regard, even though it's not like romantic and stuff, I still care about you, but this is going to happen and it may go up on Instagram. You may end up seeing it. If you're uncomfortable with it, talk to me about it. You know, I apologize or whatever. I'm, I, I will do my best not to do anything over the top and I'm sorry, but understand that, that my life in this regard has moved on. Now, could you see Stone having that conversation? Actually... She well, the thing is that she was afraid to approach the situation because they're not together. But at the same time, she feels like he was wrong. So she sat him down and um, talked to him. And at first, he kind of was shrugging everything off. Like, I don't want to hear you don't get a say in anything. Uh, But she's like, she she I'm impressed by her approach because I would have, you know, had some neck rolling going on. (laughs) But uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, girl, (laughs) girl. No, but she was like, you know what? We've, we've both been a little mean to each other, but it's really important that I have you by my side and support me through this because I really want to share this with you on a positive note. And that was all that it took. And yeah. they were able to move forward after that. And it's amazing what just a simple civil conversation can accomplish. It is amazing how being communicative and open and how being patient and nice can accomplish. If your first inclination when something like this happens is to get so snap mad, the neck and is roll to it. neck roll and to do one of, the, <laughs> one of these things or whatever, yeah. if that's your first inclination, you're going to have a problem. Even if you are 100% in the right, whether you're the guy or the girl, you're going to have a problem if your first inclination is to yell and scream and shout, which we see way too much on 16 and Pregnant. And, and by extension on Teen Mom. If your first inclination is to have a patient, civil discussion, even with an immature dude like Stone, you'd be surprised what that gets you. Right. You really would. Yeah, and, and Stone kind of... It- he he laughed it off at first because he knew he was being insensitive. I think he yeah. he knows he's the type of guy that knows what he's going he's doing and will push buttons just because. But I mean, he came around and it was really nice to see. Um, we also saw in this episode her go out with her friends. She was really social to be a pregnant teen. Uh, they went out and played some laser tag with a group of boys, and uh, <laughs> there was some chemistry afterwards after after playing laser tag and sweating it out, and she got. The giggles quite a bit with this cute guy uh and and they later talked on the phone because i think that she had the idea that they could be something and uh he was like you're really cute you're really smart you're really funny you're everything but i don't think it would be wise for us to do anything right now because it just would create a bunch of problems and that crushed her smart guy yeah. And I hate to say this, but she is going to get crushed like that a lot in the next few years. It's just true. It's not fortunate. It's not an exciting thing to talk about. But there are a lot of guys, hopefully, who see that and are mature about it like this guy was and say, you know what? I can't do it. It's not going to make it any easier. It's going to be really tough for her. But there's going to be a lot of guys who see the kid and say, see you later. Not going to happen. Right. 
And that's the way it is. And you can't blame him. He, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, he's a kid. He wants his youth. And oh, I, I would blame him if he led her on and then kind of dumped her classlessly. The fact that he said it the way he did, total credit. Right. Well, I was surprised that she was even bold enough to pursue a relationship at this point. Because at this point, she's big, like a house about to pop. Uh, and so she was crushed, went to go talk to her mom about it at 3 a.m. And mom wasn't there. Oh, Mom was not. out with the girlfriends partying. And so that was another layer on top of everything else and a, and a slap in the face. So she waited up for her mom, who ended up coming in just before dawn. Uh, and they had this sit up, sit down at the table. Is Jefferson City or Vegas? I know. Mom's getting it in, too. <laughs> um, so they have a sit down to talk about mom's sobriety and staying out late. And, and again, like it was a role reversal that was uncomfortable to watch because mom was like slurring and like eyes barely open and she, and the daughter is you know stern like I don't think I could have you around my kid with you being like this and you really need to get sober and I again I didn't like seeing her take that position with her mom really yeah it just was uncomfortable to me because I feel I guess maybe because I, I've never had this issue before so it's hard for me to relate and my mother like I can never imagine talking to her like she's my kid but your mother also doesn't have an addiction problem like exactly that. so, so. I, I, I will say this about the daughter this about Savannah with this because I've said this the mom's not going to get better she's not look at statistics if she's been doing it this long if she hasn't sought treatment I don't know what level of treatment she sought or not but if, if her life is the way it's been portrayed on MTV which it may not be but if it's that way she's not going to get better and she's literally going to drink herself to death so at what point does the daughter and i know savannah has the little brother that's the wild card but at what point does savannah say i'm taking the brother and we have to get out of here it's not nothing positive will come out of this pretty soon actually yeah so the baby comes into the picture and we actually see stone and savannah grow a little closer through all of this because i think savannah after her mother is like, you can't tell me what to do, especially in my own house, kind of turns, Savannah turns away from her mother and seeks comfort in Stone a little bit more. And this starts to bring them closer because Stone is like, you know, I've been telling you this. And he's kind of that shoulder that she needs at the right time. So the baby is born and Stone and Savannah are super affectionate towards one another throughout the birth of the baby. And um, also... You know, he rubs her feet and kisses her forehead, and they actually say, I love you. Like, it's a complete turnaround from what we've been seeing, and I guess childbirth can do that. You don't kiss a girl on the forehead, it's real. <laughs> you do not, I'm serious. You can kiss her on the cheek, on the lips, on the neck, it all means different stuff. When you kiss her on the forehead, it's real. And it looks real. It looks very genuine, very sweet, and I'm like happy for them that yeah. they've figured it out because they've been bickering the whole episode cut to savannah's house and a belligerent drunk mother so stone is at his home savannah's at home with her baby brother and a crying baby and the mother comes in stumbling drunk and savannah has had it savannah has company over her one of her best girlfriends and her mother is slamming doors and screaming and fussing and she's like because savannah's like you need to calm down you're ridiculously ridiculously drunk and i don't want you around my baby brother or my son. Yeah. And so Savannah wants to take the baby brother to go to Stone's house. And the mother says, no, you're not taking this baby. This is my baby. You can leave if you want. So Savannah calls the cops on her mom who's drunk and screaming. And it's really embarrassing because she has company. 
And this whole thing continues to escalate. Like, I was surprised that she actually called the cops on her mom. Though, But when the cops get there, it's like three cops. And uh, she's like, I really want to take my baby brother. My mother's drunk and she shouldn't be around kids at this point. The cops kind of side with the mom because they can't force her to give up her son. Yeah, there's at her no home. legal. Exactly. But her mom's drunk and stumbling at this point she's out in public because they're outside and so that is an issue stone comes to the rescue and holds the baby but savannah is visibly crushed and uh, her mother kind of makes a, a side comment while she's walking over to talk to the cops and she says that you've gotten too big for me you can't stay here anymore and that's basically the end of savannah's permission to live in her mother's house because i think it is an issue that's not going to solve itself and she might need to move out for the sake of the baby. Yeah, no, she absolutely does. She has to go and, and boy, she has to take that baby brother with her. Lord knows if she'll be able to down the road, but that kid needs to be removed too. So towards the end of this episode, um, Savannah makes a quote that I think is very memorable. She says, you don't know hard until you've had five stitches in your vagina. So, <laughs> not my quote. That's hers. And I think it's great. And it's true. I mean. That's not tweetable. Don't so, tweet that. But I mean, I think that's kind of in reference to her struggle of growing up. Like nothing. She, she can't compare it to childbirth and, and that whole process. Um so the next day she felt really bad about calling the cops and um, her mother feels bad too that she fell off the wagon again. I imagine it's got to be embarrassing for your kid to have to parent you. Fell off the wagon. She's been off the wagon for 20 years. And I think um, towards the end we just kind of see that this is a struggle that's not going to work itself out. It's going to be there and it's going to be something that they have to continuously work on to make better. And so we just see Savannah extremely saddened by you know, her mother at the end and and wishing that she could have done things a little bit differently, kind of like every episode with these girls. They wish that they had thought things through a little bit more. I like Savannah. I like Savannah a lot more than Courtney. I think considering her situation with Stone, with with her family issue with the baby and with her family issue with her mom, I think she's doing about the best she can. And and I think she's way more mature and way more intelligent. And realistic. Yeah, and way more realistic than we probably would have given her credit for maybe the first couple minutes or assuming just looking at a vignette of this thing. So she's in a tough situation, but she knows it. She's had a tough life, and she knows it and is starting to grow from it. So this is somebody who I know she had that Grim Reaper, that death thing, that death metaphor she used. But this is somebody who, you know, I'd love to see all these people five years from now. But this is one of those five years from now. I could see her doing really well for herself. I can too just because her approach is way more level-headed than most people that yeah. we've seen whether and whether or not stones in the picture whether or not her mom's the picture, just her individually with that kid i could see her really figuring it out exactly uh and good luck to both of them curious to know what you guys think at home about both of these episodes both of these girls and what you think will be happening with them in the future be sure to leave us comments rate and subscribe on itunes and youtube as well where can we find you bobby i'm on twitter at bobby demuro and on instagram at mr bobby demuro because that's the formal social network <laughs> and i'm on twitter you can find me at tiff's tweets that's c-i-f-f-z t-w-e-e-t-z and uh thanks Thanks for hanging out with us tonight, guys.
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 